Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this sermon would be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, team. Um, excited to share the Word of God again today and be together. Just a couple of things that's coming up. We have the EXO marriage course. If they pop that slide up, coming up down the road, and we want to invest in our marriages. It's one of the greatest... Uh, uh, institutions that uh, God put in place and all the men said, amen, amen. <laughs> hallelujah. And uh, just it's, it's just one of those things that I have been going to marriage courses and marriage courses and more marriage courses because it's just, it's just worth the investment. And uh, so I, um, where's that extra slide? Do you have it? Oh, okay, sorry, I thought it would follow up. Okay. All right, okay, that's it, and those are the dates, I'm fantastic, so um, can't set it aside, uh, as we go through Mother's Day and Father's Day, we kind of just wrap a whole lot of, of uh, messages around the family and, and marriage, and this course is the first time we're going to be running it, and so it just has uh, a, just a great, great fruit, this, this, this course, so we're looking forward to having that um, coming up uh, we have a couple of things. I just want to kind of talk to you a bit about missions before I dive into the Word. I just want to let you know that uh, as a church, we're so involved in, in, in missions and, and benevolence in this area. Last year, last, uh, year we, we managed to um, support and help ministries and, and benevolence uh, at, for $50,000. So that was, um, it was just short of 20% of, of the income for, that, for last year. So I really feel that we, 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 we try to live what we preach from from here to be givers and to be uh, the conduit in which God blesses us. And so I want us to be aware of some of the things that we're going to be we committed to this year. And uh, locally, I've got the family, family Life Center that's happening. We've got Old Kings Elementary. Um, it's uh, the school. We've, we're, we're, we're all partnering. Church, all churches are partnering with a school. And uh, we have Old Kings Elementary. We had the principal around here the other day, and she was just sharing um, um, a bit about them, and so we're excited about that. And then obviously the drug courts is uh, something new and more that we want to get involved in, and um, there is a golf tournament happening. Where are you? Clipboard Mike. Sorry, there's eight, uh, there's eight mics, so I've got to define them. So you're known as Clipboard Mike. Um, absolute massive undertaking. He's got uh, three tournaments and three, three of the weekends in May, and then there's a huge final um, happening on the first weekend of June, that culminates everything just to really raise um, um, funds for the drug court um, program. And, and I really, f- uh, sometime in April, I'm going to get um, um, Mike just to quickly share about the drug court. Um, it's, just, it's just a real pandemic that we have here, and we need to help the people. And, and I think Flagler County have got it right with the drug courts and helping them and bringing them. Internationally, we've got Haiti. Haiti happens in September. We send a team there. I don't know if James is going to go again after last year. Haiti's, Haiti's not for the faint-hearted. I just want to let you know that. Then there's Kilimanjaro Missions uh, Hospital. That's in Kenya. And we, we partner with them. New Day Ministries in South Africa. And um, then we've got uh, World Missions. And then we had Willie, uh, William and Shirley Crew last week here. And I want to say thank you to those that, that, uh, that gave and gave directly to them and gave through us to them and they have great undertaking to, to, to reach a million people uh, with this program of, of, of discipleship. And then Harvest Clusters, the family of churches we belong to, and, they, and, um, and we, we support them every month, and they 
do incredible work in Africa and stuff. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. And so if we can shoot right past the 50,000 mark this year, that would be fantastic. Okay, so, but you're such a giving church, and I just want to commend you for that. And uh, so grateful that uh, you look more like Jesus when you do that, when you, when you, when you give. So we're excited. Are you ready for the word? I'm just going to continue with my series that, that uh, we dove into last week. And last week I, I, I tackled... Uh, Going on with the same theme as uh, those that are here for the first time and those maybe joining us online is that um, we've been talking about the goodness of God this year and uh, the year of God's goodness and I've started a series called Encountering God's Goodness and so I've been talking about what I started last week about people that encounter God and I started with the Apostle John and, um, and how he encountered. I want to talk to you about encountering Jesus is something that I encountered in that, in that, in that school hall back in, in Africa um, in that elementary school when I heard the gospel for the first time, I encountered the love of Christ. And then I've had multiple encounters since then. And so some 44 years later, here I am still having encounters with God. And, and obviously the, the fruits of some of the people that encountered God and I'm going to talk about in the next couple of weeks will definitely help us, encourage us, posture us towards uh, having that encounter because it, that encounter matures us, it grows us. It, uh, it's, it's a joyful and joyous journey. And that whole thing transfer, transforms us from the inside out. Um, it's not that because when, when people give their life to Christ, I mean, they still wear the same size shoe the next day. They still look the same. They haven't changed their hairstyle or anything, but inside something's happening. I, I, um, I, I shared it quite often here, but it's talking about that, that b- beautiful bouquet of flowers that, that was dropped off at this lady in, that lived in the third world in a very poor area. And she said, that's not mine. But they said, well, it's yours now. And the lady took this beautiful bouquet and put it into her dining room table. And when she looked at the dining room table, she looked at and she said, man, this beautiful bouquet, I need to wash, I, need to, I really need to wash the, 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 t- the tablecloth around it. And, because, and uh, so she did that. And then she said, I need to really straighten the chairs out around that just to, because it's so beautiful. And then she suddenly she said, I have some paint in the garage. And she painted the room. And eventually she, she had her, her, her whole room and house all transformed. Why? Because that beautiful arrangement transformed that whole house. And that's what happens when we encounter Jesus. We have this incredible beauty that comes into our life that the yuck-yuck gets dealt with. You deal with it because, man, you can't, you can't have this goodness uh, just, just um, uh, saturating your life and, and doesn't affect everything else. I know that when I was in the military, that's when I came to Christ. And then so um, uh, I, I, I used to tear the wallpaper off the wall with the language. And military guys know what kind of language you speak. And so I knew that this wasn't a good testimony. So I needed to have an encounter with Jesus. And I was saying, Holy Spirit, help me, man. I need, I need. And in two weeks, my language changed. And I became a better instructor without going off crazy and swearing like a trooper. <laughs> became good. And so I just want to say that encounter changes us. And last week I spoke to you about Apostle John, how he became from a fisherman, became a father of the faith. Amazing, the transformation because of the encounters that he had. And so he was the longest living apostle. He wrote five books of the Bible, and he's known as the red, go- the red letter gospel because there's more about what he heard Jesus say. You know, there's listening but hearing, and he heard Jesus, and he listened to Jesus because he documents a lot 
of what Jesus said, in fact, more than in the other gospels. And he also known as the I am gospels. And, he, and I listed the I am's. He also wrote that Jesus was the, son, the lamb of God. And he, was, he is the one that, 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 that painted that understanding of Jesus being the lamb of God. And then he, he was finally known as the love disciple. A love disciple, and we all learned last week he didn't start there, okay? He was part of his brother, the, the Sons of Thunder. So, yeah, he, that's, what, that's what we look forward to as we continually keep ourselves at the, at the coalface, as we keep ourselves here encountering Jesus in these atmospheres, encountering Jesus in, in, in small groups, encountering Jesus in your quiet time. When you're encountered, it happens. One thing I didn't mention last week about John, that he's a heptatic I think that's how you say it. I've got to say it fast and forget about it and carry on because I'm not going to try that again. Heptatic writer. What do I mean by that is that he kind of loves grouping everything into sevens. He loves doing that. The first chapter, he gives seven titles of what Jesus is. He names Jesus with seven titles. I listed seven I am's last, last week that, that, that John um, announces Jesus as. And when he has a conversation with the woman at the well, he has seven different topics that he tackles with her. And then he goes on, and, and, and what we're going to dig into today, there are seven signs and miracles that Jesus did that, 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 that John documents. So it's interesting. You're always learning something. And so I was learning this week again, just amazed at, uh, at the writings in the Bible. It's just wonderful. to So the, the signs, there were seven public signs. And so that was to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, as well as to glorify God, his Father. That's why he wanted to, to, to present those. And today I'm going to talk about Jesus is the wedding guest and his encounter at the wedding and, and that encounter. And so it's the wedding of Can- in Canaan. Uh, I preached that many times uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a wedding ceremony and, and brought out um, truths. And again, I look at it again today and, and it's, again, it's afresh to me. And so while I'm preaching, I'm also preaching to myself today as we, as we look at this. And so... Um, I'm going to tackle the first sign that Jesus talks, uh, that John talks about. And then I will, at the end, give you the other six, because I know some of you really are curious to know the other six signs that are happening, that happen in, in, in John's gospel. But yeah, starting in John chapter 2. Last week, I was hanging around John chapter 1. This is John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, yeah, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they had run out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does that concern have to do with me? Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know how the translators did that. But if I said that to my mom, <laughs> I would have got a backhand and I would have woken up old fashioned. When I woke up, I would be old fashioned. Um, yeah, so, and so... That's what he says. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Now there were six, there were set, uh, set there six water pots of stone. And according to the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And when they had filled them up to the brim, and he said, he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made, in, made wine, he did not know where it had come from. But the servants who had drawn the water 
knew it. That's a lovely thing about when you're serving with Jesus. You get the privilege behind the scenes what's actually taking place. And the master of the feast called, uh, called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. Now there's a strategy in that. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in, the Canaan, in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This was the first sign. So here we see this incredible scripture. I just want to pray for us now. Father, I just really thank you that we would posture our hearts and understand, have more, more to see than what I say. Father, that we'll have more revelation and, and transformation than, than what is spoken here today. I really thank you for that. And I thank you for your um, amazing revelation to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see Jesus, uh, Mary, and the disciples are guests to the wedding of Canaan. The wedding is believed. And some have said it was Apostle John's wedding. Don't know how that sits, but where that sits with you. And why would I say that? It's the detail that was documented give, give us a clue. that Because uh, his, his, his Aunt Mary, his Aunt Mary, I don't know if it's American aunt, and Africa's aunt, Aunt Mary was involved. Cousin John was involved, and, and the disciples, and they had traveled the distance to attend this. And then Aunt Mary, I'm going to say it American way, Aunt Mary takes on the concern about the wine having run out. And this is on day three. And the social disgrace is looming at this, at this wedding. No wine would break the strong unwritten law of hospitality because that just didn't happen. Guys are taken off work and everything else. Why? Because traditionally the wedding was seven days or longer. The sad thing is there was no honeymoon because of that. That was really, for us guys, just void the ceremony and anything else, we'll go to the honeymoon, okay? We'll just cut to the chase there. Most of the village was traditionally invited so let's look at Jesus and mother's encounter and Mary's encounter at the wedding, mom and son. Mary, as the mother, really was the first one to ever encounter Jesus. She had the incredible opportunity to be pregnant with the son of God. Quite amazing. And so she had the first encounter. She was pregnant. She, she gave birth and she nursed and parented Jesus. That's quite an encounter. So she had a, a relationship a little dif different. Said this way, the created gave birth to the creator. <laughs> yeah, put your head around that one. That's, that's quite interesting. It's like putting um, James into an ant body. I mean, that just, I mean that's, that's, it's, it's just putting God into humanity. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy uh, to put your head around that. And Mary had agreed to this birth. And an angel appeared and, and, and spoke. And the angel said, yes, you have found favor. The son that you will give birth will bless all of mankind, and Jesus would be his name. So she had this angelic encounter, then she had the Jesus encounter. Then Simeon the prophet prophesied over Mary when they brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. In Luke uh, chapter 235, it says that a sword will pierce through her soul. Soul being your mind, will, and emotion. It wasn't something that physically she was going to be pierced. But when she saw her son on the cross and dying for humanity and hanging there, um, it pierced her soul. And while Jesus was hanging there, he told John, he says, hey, John, take care of, take care of 
my mom. And from that point onwards, Mary stayed with John. It was that kind of family deal. And, uh, and that's what pierced her soul. Now at the wedding, Mary, uh, Mary says to Jesus, they have no wine. <laughs> Guys, now I've got to pause here. I've been married 40 years. Ladies have a way of saying things. They walk in and say to Jerry, Jerry, the grass is looking a little long. What is that supposed to mean? I want to tell those that are not married, that is code. That is code, get the sod cut, okay? I'll cut it yourself. Uh, knowing Maria, she would. Or it comes into the bathroom and she asks, and whose, and whose pants are those? And I had just tried to, and then missed the basket. Because if they're not mine, then we have a bigger issue. Okay. But here we have Mary coming and says, you have no wine. And Jesus just responds to it's not, my, it's not our problem. Mary, it is not our problem. Mom, it's not our problem. Okay. And not my time. What does he mean there? It's not my time to go public with miracles. It's just not my time. <laughs> so, so I want to wonder if Mary had some insight because Jesus was the kid in her house. That when, the, when the pet lamb is suddenly told that it's, it had died, and Jesus comes back and comes back, and the little lamb's still running back, running around. And said, "Well, what happened? No, he was just sleeping." I wonder what Jesus did to the dead lamb. Yeah? And then, and then suddenly, go out there, and there's a kid swimming in the water, and Mary has to say, "Jesus, would you get in the water like everybody else and stop walking around uh, <laughs> on top of the water?" <laughs> or, "Hey, Jesus, would you go to the go to the uh, the, the grocer and get us some more flour?" He says, Mom, you sure we are the flower? You sure? He says, yeah, no, I checked. I think, Mom, you better check again. <laughs> oh, my goodness, I must have looked wrong because it's, there, there's flour in the container again. You know, Jesus would have, you know. And then taking his lunch to school, suddenly he multiplies it and he's, he's the best dude in town. I mean, I'm just saying this, okay, all right. And those, on, I'm just joking, okay. Just, I don't know what Jesus says, nothing written about it, but I just kind of, just think like that, okay. Um, so, yeah, it must have been fun having Jesus around you. But then Mary looks, so Jesus, Jesus, listen, there's no one. So he says, hey, it's not my, my deal. And he says, she turns to the servant and says, whatever he says, do it. <laughs> Mothers have a way, you know, just whatever, whatever he says, do it. And so... Now Jesus is in a rock and a hard place. He's a nice Jew boy now. His dad sent the commandments down, honor your mother and father. And now he's in this place where he has to honor his mother and father because Big D dad sent it down and, now, and, it's, and it's written in stone. So he, he, he's got it now, he's, he's in that place. And so it also, Joseph uh, had passed away. And Joseph was, 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 uh, was stepdad to Jesus. You understand that? Those that are stepchildren, you understand that he was a stepdad. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't G Joseph. And then we, we realized that somewhere between 12-year-olds where they lost Jesus for three days because <laughs> they left, left the, 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 the festival and went back and they only got, when they got back halfway back, they found out that Jesus wasn't with the crowd. So they go back and find him. And at 12 years old, he was debating, he was debating with the, 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 the teachers and 
and the philosophers and stuff. And so um, they lost him. And that's the last time we hear about Joseph. And they t- say Joseph, Joseph has passed away. And so you know what happens then is that J- Jesus becomes um, the, like the, the guy that has to sort out the problems. Because Mary will continually go because Jesus is the eldest. I know that because my dad passed away when I was, thir- when I was 13 and my younger brother was 10. And so my mom kept saying, Rod... Can you fix this rod? Can you get this rod? And so I became this. So I can see that uh, Jesus, they have no wine. (laughs) Opportunity to fix this. And so that's what kind of the setting. And Jesus, uh, um, yeah, found himself in this plot. So let's talk about Jesus and the six stone water pots. It's interesting about that. Jewish purification. It was purification for those, the different um, times where they would, they would wash. And, um, and Jesus encounters these earthen vessels. It's, it's Jesus and these earthen vessels that he, he, and, he, and he encounters them. It's interesting to say that we in Scripture are referred to earthen vessels. And so in light of that, these vessels were empty and not full. Why? If they were full, they wouldn't have had asked the servants to fill them up. We also, we also, we as, as earthlings are found empty and um, lifeless until we have an encounter with Jesus. And I talk from experience. When you have an encounter with Jesus, it kind of affects this earthen vessel. It, it, it changes us. The, the water pots, I want you to know, it may be clay on the picture. Sorry, I couldn't find any stone ones. Um, maybe Valerie couldn't find some stone ones. Her and I were, were backwards and forwards. She was d- building this in Colorado yesterday, and I was talking to her and backwards and forwards. And so she's in Col- Colorado doing the grandma thing, so she'll be back tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, these, it's, it was, these are stone pots, not clay pots. Clay's, clay is, 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 is permeable. It absorbs. Um, it attracts and breeds contamination. That's why clay is not the, the, the container of use. It's, uh, it's stone. Stone is the what what is what is used, and so um, stone was the yeti product of the day. <laughs> All right, we understand what yeti is. Um, yeti is the product of uh, keeps everything fairly cool, but it's also a very costly pot. Not many people had that. It was honed out of rock, and yeti is worthless when empty. I mean, yeti is supposed to keep something hot, hot, and something cold, cold. But if you got nothing in it. It's doing nothing. And we as earthen vessels, we can be found in that place where we neither hot nor cold. And what does the Bible say? You spit you out. I'm going to have to take notes of myself here. I was just surprised about that one. Okay. But you've got to understand that this, it's, it's, it's not going to, you desperately need fuel in the fuel can. And when you get the fuel can, it's empty. It's no good as an empty fuel can. You need to have it filled. It was Yeti, the Yeti product of the day. Yes, it's, it's for full's purpose when it's full, and it wasn't full. And so the stone pots were, were, were used for purification, washing hands in the ceremony. And so the question I ask is, where were these stone pots? I try to find out. I ask Prof, Prof Palmer, um, can he help me? And, uh, and he actually gave me insight of possibly where these were. Um, these purification pots, because they were so costly, they were not in everybody's home. You couldn't afford these, 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 um, these pots that are honed out of stone. They were too costly. But we understand that the wedding is over seven days. There are multiple sites that they happen. 
It may have a, you have a pre-celebration, then you have the, the, the synagogue and the temple, and you have the, the ceremony there, and the next day you, you have a, a hall where you have the celebration. So it goes on. And so the day Jesus gets approached and says, we have no wine, is in a venue where these six pots are. And so he takes advantage of those pots. And, um, and, 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 and when the wine runs out, the stone pots must have been on the third venue. That's when, that's when it ran out. And Jesus used what was available, the empty stone Yeti water pots. He used them. And so that's what happens when we make ourselves available. He uses us as earthen vessels. Now note that they're not full, they were not prepared, and, and not, uh, were not possibly available to be used. And like us before Jesus, we are empty, we have no life, and, and, and we have no real use of giving life because we have no life within us. And we're not ready for holy, holy use. We are lifeless, and water represents life. And so we need to realize that when we are empty as earthlings, that we, are, we, we have no life because in 1 John 5, 12, it says, God has given us life in his Son. He who has the Son has life. So we understand that when Jesus comes into our, our life, these earthen vessels get affected. These pots were 20 to 30 gallons apiece. That's 180 gallons of potential wine that's now coming down the road with Jesus's miracle. This is going to be a happy village. I want to just say that, a very happy village. And the servants were instructed to fill them. They did so to the brim. Have you ever tried filling something up to the brim? Guaranteed you're always going to go over the top. And that's just kind of the visual. And it must have been filled from the, from the village well. I'm, I'm trying to get the dynamics of this, this miracle. And so it must have been filled up. The thought came to me, were these stone pots clean? You understand that with these, um, and um, because they used to have them and take the lay light and, uh, and, and pour it over the guy's hands and they would wash it. So these pots are used for washing, not for drinking. That's what, that's what they were for. And so I'm thinking, whoa, you're taking these pots and using them. But when these pots encounter Jesus and the water, the whole story changes. And that same thing happens to us when we encounter Jesus. It, it changes us and, and, and prepares us and fills us. The truth is when Jesus meets us where we're at, smelly as from a pigsty, he doesn't, he doesn't ask us, listen, you better go and clean up first before I can come and, and take my abode inside you. He says, don't worry. When I come in, it all starts sorting itself out. I'll start cleaning from the inside out. That's what happens. It's like trying to take a, 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 a shower before you have to bath. I mean, what, what's it? I, I know that I can't clean this act up. I just can't sort this thing out. I have to get Jesus on board, and then he starts working from the inside out. And so there is an abundance in this miracle because there's 180 gallons potentially of wine. There is an abundance in this miracle, and that's the, the sign God's giving to the people that are around him through, through Jesus that there is an abundance. In John 10, 10, Jesus came that we may have life and that we may have it life more abundantly. So let's talk about Jesus and the servants. There is an encounter there. 
And the wedding, at, at the wedding, the, the family didn't, didn't serve. They hired servants to, to help and, and to serve the celebration. But somehow Aunt Mary must have had organizing say because she then could tell Jesus, hey, listen, tell the, tell, tell the servants. I want to just tell you that obedience is measurable. Obedience is measurable. What happens if those guys did not fill the, the, the pots up to the brim? Like sometimes when you ask them to put something in your glass and they only just fill it up halfway or they're three quarters of the way. Never do they fill it up to the brim. That's what just happens. And, uh, and here you can measure the obedience by how much water was in the pots and their obedience um, had a result. And so how much wine was there? Um, so they filled it to the top. Matthew 7, 2 says, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So you can measure a child when you tell them to go and tidy up their room. You can tell if they use three minutes or 30 minutes by what you see when you walk right in there. Now, Adam Owen, he was measured this last week. He had a big exam. He's got another big exam this week. And the results on the, at the end when they send it to you measures how much work you put into it. When it says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, between you and God, it can be measured. God knows the measurement. And so he, he looks at it. So measure, uh, obedience can be measured. Do you understand that partial obedience is disobedience? Ow! Ow! And I typed that, it hurt my fingers. Partial obedience is disobedience. And so the servants went ahead and, and, and I want to just tell you, obedience is exciting. Obedience is, is, is just absolutely amazing. Now, faith is obeying Jesus, drawing the water from the stone pots and to taking it to the, to the master of ceremonies. I don't know if I wanted to be that servant because I, I know what I've just put in that, in that and I know what those pots are used for and I'm dipping it in there and I'm going to the master of ceremonies. My job's on the line if Jesus doesn't come through with this thing. Was it water that he carried all the way there and when he was put up to the MC's mouth, it became wine? We don't know when that all happened, but what happened is it was a walk of faith from those, those pots to where um, um, the master of ceremonies was. And then obviously the master of ceremonies just overwhelmed and compliments the bridegroom. It's a funny thing, the only, th the only people that knew was the, the servants and Jesus knew about this miracle. But it wasn't for long though because it sure got out. Those empty, lifeless pots became the center of, of the wedding. I don't think they moved to another venue after that. They kind of hung around the drink hole because they knew. And I have to have words with Jesus because, you know, Jesus, there could be other signs you could have used. Because for me, pastoring is quite a challenge because they always say, when it comes to the alcohol issue, uh, turn water into wine. Yeah, I know that, and I don't thank Jesus for that at all because it comes up with all sorts of issues, but I'm not going to come and talk to you about the drinking issue, okay? Um, but, um, yeah, it's prickly, and so we just leave it at that. I don't think the world's a better place because of that, but um, I'll just leave it there. Do not ask Valerie about it. I'm warning you. Do not. And so we have this situation where it's just an absolute miracle that happens and, 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 and the master of ceremonies is just overwhelming. My brother just experienced the excitement and, uh, and, the, and the reward of, of obedience. 
So he was a young guy, started his, in 1986, started his electrical trade in, in, in the far south of the country in a big, huge sugar mill estate. And um, Val and I were getting ready to come to America for the very first time for a visit in 1986. Nathan and Daniel were one and two, about the, the age of the younger than that there, when we came across. And so I phoned him and I said, hey, Baz, listen, I want to let you know that we're planning a trip, we're going. And, and the first thing he said, listen, I want to, I want to sow towards your trip. I said, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's great. I'm not calling about that. I just want to make sure that you, when, when suddenly we don't answer our call, that you know that we've actually left the country. Um, so, yeah, um, so he said, so he wired it the next day and he told me, hey, hey Rod, I'm, I'm sending it. He calls me Palms. He says, hey, Palms, I've sent it. So he says, but I'm sending it and I'm sowing it because I feel that I'm, I'm going to go to America and I'm really sowing it towards that. He took his whole savings that he was saving for a vehicle and he sent it up to us. It was, it was a, a over and above gift for us. And so we said, thank you. And uh, at that very time, a friend of his that was working with him heard that we were going and he wanted to come with. His dad was in the hunting world and, and uh, he was in the photography world and he wanted to meet some of the clients that had come across from America. And so we were saying, Come on, Des, come with us because we need to all the hands on deck to look after our one and two years old for a 30-hour flight to America. We will take you. Come on there. And so Desmond's dad said to himself, said to himself, didn't say to anybody else, he says, whoever comes to see my son at the airport in the south of the country before he flies up to join us to fly to America, he says, I will pay for all those friends to go with. And guess who pitched up? Only my brother. A week later, he and I were driving the wrong side of the road in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> no, sorry, the correct side of the road, the right side of the road. And there he saw the reward of obedience because the Holy Spirit prompted him and he put an action to it and his, uh, his dollars turned into a ticket and a, a month's stay in America, which he said, I don't know how long it would take to, 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 to get that. And so obedience is exciting. You understand that the water to turn into wine, you know what process it takes to get wine. You gotta grow the grapes, you gotta squash those grapes, you gotta ferment those grapes, you gotta get them all so it tastes nice. And in just one instant, it's turned from water into wine. Just, it's, it's, it, just don't overlook that when we have a look at this, this miracle. And so those empty containers with plain water became sparkling, vibrant, life-giving containers. And I'm saying all this about the container because we are those containers that God wants to fill and wants us to be vibrant, exciting, full of life. And uh, sometimes it looks like we've been sucking on pickle juice and we need to catch a life and wake up and let's get on with the program and let the life-giving Jesus come into our world and fill these earthen vessels. And so the last thing I want to just do as I just run this down to, to, to a close, I want to just say that I didn't write it up here. A delightful obedience is key. I didn't put that up there, but delightful obedience is key. And so uh, you understand that, that when, by posh, uh, leaning into obedience and hearing and obeying blesses one and blesses those that, 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 that bear the fruit of what you're doing when you lean into obedience. While posturing towards one's uh, uh, prompting, you bless one. You bless too. You bless your surrounds when you lean and posture into that. In John and uh, Psalms thirty-four, four, it says, "Yeah, delight yourself in the in 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 the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart." 
you understand that when you are delighting in God and you're enjoying God, that what you find out, there is so much that you get blessed with and uh, um, are overwhelmed with. And it births things of desire. And you say, well, I'm going to be doing this desire and it's selfish. No, God put the desire in there if Jesus is in your heart. He put that in you. And Val and I found that out in a young age. Val and I, as young marrieds, we jumped into this new church plant in Zimbabwe um, under American pastors. And as young folk, we, man, we couldn't rub two cents together. We were renting a home. We had borrowed a car. We had hand-me-down furniture. But we were happy because Jesus was the most exciting thing that was happening in our lives. And we jumped right into that. I became the first person on full-time staff there. And so we, we were there, and my title was Gopher. Go for this, go for that, go for everything. Man, I was doing from sound to setting up chairs to uh, renovating buildings for Bible schools. And so they, they nicknamed me Gopher. Um, I said that once to a Jehovah's Witness that came and wanted to know what my title was in, in the church. And I said, my title is Gopher. And so he tried to find out if there was a Hebrew word or a Greek word. Or, I said, no, I just go for this and go for that. Um, and so, and when we were just, we just threw ourselves headlong in, into that with just excitement. And when we looked up, we owned our own home. We had our own car. We had our f- furniture in our home. We had a ticket going to America. We had two beautiful boys. Suddenly, all these things were added to us. There were hidden desires. I didn't even put them on the prayer list. But I know that when my, my kids have some kind of thing that they're desiring, they don't mention it, but I'm going to sneak around and I'm going to try and do it for them because that's the heart of a dad. And that's the heart of dads. And so when, we do, when we're in this delightful uh, obedience place, you have this absolute um, joy of relationship. So that's why the, kingdoms, uh, the, the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things get added to you. And so as you take care of God's business, he takes care of your business. Amen. So Jesus and Mary and, and the disciples, they responded to a wedding invite that their desire was to bless, support, and celebrate with the bride and groom. And Mary and, Joseph, and Jesus' hearts was to, 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 to stop shame and, and, um, um, and, and embarrassment. And all that incubated a miracle, incubated a miracle. The miracles blessed many. The obedience released a miracle. Every miracle always blesses somebody. Every miracle blesses somebody. And so we are the vehicles through which divine favor flows, preventing misfortune in the lives of others. We are the vehicle that God uses. And God wants to bless us. He desires to bless us. And you say, how can he bless us? Man, he's the richest dude on planet earth and heaven and under the earth. Anywhere you want to find God, he's still got the best checkbook. I want to just tell you that. And why? Because he loves you more than you love yourself. That's why he wants to bless you. That's why he wants to shower you with the love. And he can't help himself. That's just God's nature. And so we need to understand that. So any obedience blesses. And so we see the servants' obedience blessed the wedding and, uh, and, and allowed the miracle to flow. I close with the, 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 the last six of the miracle signs that just to kind of rub in, massage in the abundance that God is always wanting to, to bless so the first one was obviously turning water into wine. 180 gallons is just still staggering for me. And then the, uh, John chapter 4 says he heals the, uh, the official son. He heals the official son. And if you, you read the story, son, the, the, the official says, my, my son is dying. And Jesus said, go home, he is healed. 
And you think, okay, those are the words that actually made the miracle happen because he, the dad went home and he found out that very hour, the next day, the previous day was when his son got healed. But actually, the Bible says the father went believing the word of Jesus. When you put your, your, your trust and you walk on the word of Jesus, then the miracle happens. He didn't leave there saying, oh, I really wanted him to come and I really wanted him to lay hands and the elder didn't come and anoint me with oil. And, and uh, No, you said it, that settles it. I'm going home because the miracle awaits me. Amen. Amen. Hurry up, Rod, you've got three minutes to land this plane. Hallelujah. Six. Five. Heals the paralytic at the, at the pool of Bethsaida. That's, that's. Hallelujah. I love it. 38 years hanging around a pool. I'm going to talk some more about that. The encounter of that man with Jesus. I'm going to talk about that. Okay. Jesus walks on water also in chapter six. You know what the amazing thing is? That when he reached the boat, there was an absolute calm. There was a crazy storm around. And then as soon as he reached the boat, it was absolutely calm. Absolutely calm. Have you ever been on water when it's absolutely calm and it's like a mirror? But that's not the miracle. They were immediately on the other side. Jesus says, let's get, get this program on the road. I need breakfast. Let's go to the other side. Of the and immediately the boat was landed on the other side. That must have staggered a few fishermen in the boat. And so that would happen. Jesus walks in the water. John chapter 9, the healing of the blind man. When he takes and he spits in the dirt. <laughs> he says, that is creative, okay? But I don't care. If I don't have any eyeballs and it's going to take Jesus to spit in the mud, and pack it for my eye, my eye uh, sockets full of mud, and I can see, I'll take it. I'll take it. Amazing. Blind man. Creative miracle from mud. And the last one, John, John 11, raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, it's after four days. Not three days. Three days, there was a, a, an understanding in those days that the spirit of the, of, the, of the person would hang around for at least three days, but no longer than three days. It would go into eternity after that. It wouldn't hang around. So it would kind of be a reasoning, oh, well, Lazarus' spirit was still hanging around. So Jesus, what did he do? He hung around a little longer with the, the woman with the issue of blood and everything else and then lands up only being there for, on day four just to prove to you that he can raise the dead. And that's exciting, okay? So church, as I close now, how are we as vessels? How are we as vessels? Are we empty? And without Christ, I want to just tell you, you are empty. I can do nothing on this whole thing on Jesus without having him on board. And if you don't have him, you're definitely in, in the E mark on your gauge, empty. Because you can't, he who has a son has life. Are you partly full? That's a possibility. Are you just plain water? Or are you filled, vibrant, filled with the spirit? Because that's where we want to go to. That's where Jesus says, I want to encounter with you so you live there, excited, bubbling over. It starts with us inviting Jesus into our, into our life. And, and, and it's, it's John 3 5, uh, verse 5, it says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. That's your natural birth when the waters break. And the spirit is when you get born again. Both births need to take place for us to, 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 to enter the kingdom of God. Humans can only reproduce um, only, uh, humans can reproduce only human life, 
But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Do not marvel that I say this, that I said to you, you must be born again. Church, we've got to understand that we've got to get born again. We've got to get the Spirit of God into these earthen vessels. Otherwise, you just are doing a religious thing. You're just doing, you, I can try and do this the whole thing with soul power, but I want to be spirit empowered. And that's important. So if you find yourself in empty, let's just deal with empty now. Those that are watching me online, if you're an empty, I want to invite, get you to invite Jesus right now, not tomorrow. Don't be like the Egyptians say, get rid of the locusts tomorrow. No, I want Jesus now. I want it right now. And if that's you, we're all going to bow our heads and we're all going to pray out loud. So I'd encourage you to pray, but invite Jesus into your, into your earthen container because it transforms you. Ask me, I have 44 years of knowing Jesus in this earth vessel. I can do nothing. And if there's anything good to see, it's Jesus shining out of me, not me. Okay. Just want to let you know that. But let's pray. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on that cross for me. That paid my sins. Today, I invite you into my life to be my Lord, to be my leader, to be my friend. In Jesus' name. Amen. Woo! You know, somebody did that at the men's gathering on, on Friday night. Forty of us men got together and we chewed on rib bones. It was just so delightful. Alex, are you in the house? Where is he? Alex gave his life to Christ and he invited. He had been hanging around, but he just really didn't know that he needed to get Jesus in. And so we're going uh, to go bury him on the beach, in the, in the, in the water. That's our, that's our baptismal font. So now the rest of us. Where is Jesus with you in your earthen vessel is one I want to just leave with. Because if we don't, if we don't get this right, and you've got to understand it's the Holy Ghost in us. The Holy Ghost in us. And everybody says, well, we leak and we need to keep. No, no. If you're continually giving of the spirit, when, when that woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched the hem of, of, of Jesus's garment, he said, who touched me? Why? Because he felt virtue leave him. He felt the spirit of God leave him to heal her. He felt that. That's what happens when we're out there, we're ministering the life of God, we're blessing people, we're going and seeing people, we are telling people about Jesus, we're serving people, we're allowing the gift of God flowing through us, we are depleting, and so when we get together and we worship together and when we come to places like this, we need to have an infilling of the Holy Ghost. Top us up, Lord, help us, so we go out there full. Because I can't do this Jesus thing and this Christian thing without you empowering me. That you've got to understand. You cannot do it. I'm on overtime, but here I want to invite you as the musicians come and join me up here. And I just want you to play quietly, musicians. We're not going to sing to it yet. But I want to invite you, if you're in a place where you know that you just need somebody to agree with you, to, to, to have Holy Ghost, just to come in and ignite you quicken you, fill you, touch you, uh, heal you, just help you. Just, uh, I want you to agree with God, agree with his word today. Do you understand when those earthen vessels received that water and received the miracle, they became a vessel, a conduit of blessing. 
And God wants us out there encountering people and they say, I want what you have. Why? Because the Jesus in us, there's no good thing in me. It's uh, of me. It's in me. It's Jesus that does that. John 7, 37 says, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Not That doesn't sound like a little bit. Rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. He's talking before the cross. We are now other side of the cross. He has risen. He's at the right hand of the Father. He has sent Holy Spirit to empower his church. And, and he did that through those, those initial apostles and has continued now. If you think he's left town, you are sadly mistaken. He is right here, right with us, and available right now. Amen. And I want us not to go out there half-baked, hardly get by, in Grumble Alley. We need the power and the life of God to put the zip back into us. And so we may be the life that the people out there need. They need the hope out there. It's not you. Yeah, we're getting charged up so we can go out. This is our Tesla station. Getting charged by the Holy Ghost so we can go out there and do the mileage. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So while you just play, pray, uh, play quietly, I want us all to stand if you would. And I sense there's a lot of people that are just saying, man, I'm knuckle dragging. I really need a quick shot of the Holy Ghost. And I don't think I've got enough space up here for all that. So I'm going to pray for you where you sit, where you stand. The only thing I'm going to ask you is to posture yourself in some way that you would receive. I always go with my open hands and say, Dad, help. Because I can't do this posturing thing without you. I can't do this Jesus thing without you. I can't be the light to those that need your light. I can't be the life unless you're the life enemy. And you posture yourselves, however it be, whether it be this, whether it be that, however you want to be, you want to kneel. I don't know how you want to posture, but just posture yourself because I think he's going to send his angelic host and pour it all over you. Father, I stand with all family today and those watching us online and those that will hear this message later on. We want an encounter with your Holy Ghost today. These earthen vessels need the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. And so, Father, we, we reach out to you. We, 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 we posture ourselves to receive the infilling again of your, of your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you fill us to the brim. Father, overflow through us. Allow us to be a testimony of your goodness and your grace. Allow us to be the, the ones who bring good news, positive news, hopeful news to our, our arena, to our, our sphere that we influence. So Father, touch us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.